All right. There we go. Here is what I've come all this way to talk to you about this morning, and that is moving from here to there. Um, it is, uh, it's ironic how much we lose moving from here to there. I don't know why exactly. I guess when we, when we move our house from one place to another, we tend to kind of leave stuff. You know, like, oh, we're not going to need that. Oh, let's get rid of that. Okay. Uh, my mother-in-law used to say that uh, three moves is as good as a fire. Where you just, if we just moved three times, it was like we had a fire. You know, we just lost everything in the fire. Um, it, it is true that for some reason when we go from where we are to where we're going, that we leave some things behind. And presently, we are someplace incredibly important. We're carrying some stuff these days that we worked hard to get. And, it, and yet, when we move to where we're going which in essence is when we hand the baton, baton, when we hold the baton, to, when we hand the baton to another generation. I've been here a couple times. You guys are teaching me English. When I hand that thing to the next generation, they pick it up with a different reality. They have a different reality, a different set of challenges, a different worldview. And so what's in this thing when we pass it from one generation to the next? We better pay attention or we're going to leave some very important things behind. And it's, it, it happens over and over and over and about 100% of the time we make the same mistake, which is pretty high. Think about it. Joseph is this amazing salvation story to the nation of Egypt. And there rises up a Pharaoh who doesn't know who he was. How in the world? We know who Joseph was. How did there be a Pharaoh that didn't know? The elders of Israel in chapter 2. Don't know God or what he's done. Is this working? <laughs> Solomon has a son who becomes the king of Israel. And he decides that he's so smart. He's so smart, he doesn't need the counselors of Solomon. I don't know how smart you have to be to be a counselor to Solomon. It seems like that'd be somebody you'd want on your team, you know? But Rehoboam is so smart. I mean, anybody with the word bum in their name, you know he's going to mess it up, right? And sure enough, he goes on to split Israel. Why? Because they keep making the same mistake. You know, as you travel around the UK, there's just something that I notice that you guys probably don't even notice. But you have a lot of chimneys. <laughs> For whatever reason, you have chimneys everywhere. 
Every building that you see in any city is just covered in chimneys. It's almost like their decoration. You know, we need some more chimneys. That's what, that's what this building needs, some more chimneys. The story goes on. <laughs> These chimneys are a testimony. These chimneys are evidence that at one point in this country's history, people rallied around the fire. There's a testimony in every city that the fire was central to how we lived our lives. And these chimneys are an absolute testimony. The fire was central here. Sharon and I were in uh, Edinburgh. And Edinburgh. Not Edinburgh. Edinburgh. <laughs> See, I'm just trying to be culturally sensitive. And we go to this really nice hotel. We were on vacation with some friends. And we, we, we noticed, oh. This building is covered with chimneys. You know what that means, honey? Fireplaces in the room. And so I called down front and said, hey, can I get, a, get one of those starter logs for one of these chim this chimney in my room or this fireplace in my room? Can I, you know, can I throw a, want a log in there and, you know, get a fire going? And uh, they said, oh, Mr. Silk, I'm sorry, but all the chimneys in this building are condemned. It's actually illegal to use the chimneys in this building. What? What? It's illegal to light a fire in this building covered in chimneys? Yes, sir. And here's the story. 100% of the time, when we move from generation to generation, the fatal flaw, the 100% mistake that each generation makes is they fail to pass the fire. We are more than happy to pass the pulpit to the next generation. The, the pioneers, the apostolic and prophetic who find the fire and bring the fire and the people gather to the fire and there's testimonies everywhere of the fire touching the earth. Hand the baton to the next generation who sets up the pulpit. And we're happy with that. We're happy to find a preacher that the people who gather to the fire like to listen to. Is this still working? 100% of the time. Why? Well, because Jesus hands out gifts at some point, right? He's handing out gifts to the church. He's handing out gifts to strengthen the, the body. He's handing out anointings. Remember those anointings that we talked about? It's like looking through a lens of glass. 
We have this lens of glass that, you know, if you have a, a yellow lens of glass, everything you see is yellow, right? So you go, hey, there's a yellow zebra. See the yellow zebra? There's a yellow zebra. But the guy with the red lens, he looks at it and he goes, oh, that's clearly a red zebra. But then there's the guy with the blue lens, right? And he's looking at it and he's thinking, oh my gosh, I should start a website and a blog against you two. Because that is clearly a blue zebra. And then there's the guy with the red lens and the orange lens. See how this works? Who's right? The zebra. (laughs) The zebra's the only one that got it right. Everybody else had a lens. And so when, we, when, when Jesus is handing out gifts, he's handing out people who have a lens and they see different things. They, they pick up particulars. They focus on what they're equipped to serve best in. And so when we end up with a, a pastoral anointing, a pastoral lens, uh, my lens is pointing me at the people. I want, to, I want to make sure the people are okay. I want to make sure the people are happy. I want to make sure the people are taken care of. I want to make sure the people are healthy. I want to make sure the people are comfortable. I want to make sure the people are a community. I want to make sure everybody's plugged in. Are you plugged in? Did you get plugged in? Are you okay? Is it warm enough in here? Is the music too loud? Is it too quiet? Is it too fast? Is it too slow? Is it too long? Is it too short? Because we just want you to be happy. We got children's ministry. We got women's ministry. We got men's ministry. We got a parking lot ministry. We're doing whatever we can to make your stay at our hotel, our church, comfortable. And we know you have other choices, and we would hate to see you and your your family go somewhere else. So, what is it we got to do to be pleasing to you? Because that's why we're here. And so people choose their leaders. People set up church structure based on who pays the best attention to them. Selah. (laughs) Dramatic pause. We also like a good teacher. need a good Bible teacher in here. Because the more people we gather, the more we're going to need a lawyer. We're going to need somebody who helps us argue with other people. Those other people over there. And whatever they're doing over there, we need to make sure that we're righter than them. So a good Bible teacher will help us. Everybody focus on the, on the Bible right now. Just... Open your Bibles, because I know you brought them. You tried to hide it in your phone. I know you don't even look at that thing. There's some paper around here. Well, we've got a new building we're building. Yes, it looks like a university, as it should, so that we can study. Study what, you ask? The Bible. We're going to read through it in a year again. We'll have to start a Wednesday study on the New Testament. Yes, we will. And people, yes, we are reading through the genealogy. Why? 
Because if it wasn't important, it wouldn't be in the Bible. That's exactly right. And so you know that teachers have an inherent need to be right. Okay? It's just built right into them. It's just built right in there. It's in the code. There's no getting away from it. And so when they get up here and they finally, finally, after much study, research, they studied the people that they studied to make sure they got it right by the time they bring it in here. And when they get it here and they give it to you, you can bet your pippy. That they're right. And there's now a line set down the center of the aisle. And everyone who wants to be in the truth, over here with me. Because beginning at this line and moving in that direction are increasing levels of deception. And that, my friend, is why we have other churches in this town. Then we have evangelists. Evangelists, I mean, if you're an evangelist and you're still sitting in this room, congratulations. <laughs> evangelists can't even believe we do this. Like, what are we doing sitting? Bible doesn't say sit. Bible says go. <laughs> go into all the world. And all we do is gather and sit again and again. Like, like somebody's going to tell us something we don't already know. Me and, me and Andy, who I led to the Lord, we're going. We're going to the highways and the byways, and we're going to compel them to come in. Well, I don't want them coming in here. They'll learn to sit. <laughs> we're going to start a new church. That's what we're going to do. We're going to call it the Army of God. Army of God. We're going to get people saved. They're going to come in. We're going to teach them the message of salvation, the power of the blood of Jesus, how to lead other people to Jesus. That's all you really need to know. All that other stuff we can do in heaven. <laughs> Only thing you can't do in heaven is lead people to Jesus because he's already there. <laughs> this is the most important ministry in the world. We're not even going to have chairs in our church so nobody can sit. And then you have the prophetic ministry and the prophets running around. And prophetic people, everything that happens means something. Everything. Every which way the wind blows, every color, every number, everything. For prophetic people don't have digital clocks. That's not a digital clock. That is a portal to heaven. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. 1234. It's 1234. One, two, three, four. Moment of divine order right here, right now. <laughs> Call the intercessors. That's happened twice today. That's two. That's the number of witness right there. 
all day, every day. Like, oh my gosh, you have a green shirt on. You have green. It's healing. Healing and health. And blue pants. Kind of bluish. That's royalish kind of, I forget what blew me. Revelation. Well, it's not really blue, though, is it? Kind of. Anyway, you have two arms and two legs. That's four. That's the number of the Holy Spirit. You have, you're covered in the grace of healing and health and the Holy Spirit. And you have a head. That's five. That's grace. You're covered in grace. Praise the Lord. You have the grace and the healing. Holy Spirit. All day. Every day. Doesn't matter where you go. Can't stop it. Can't turn it off. Didn't turn it on. Can't turn it off. So if you have prophetic friends, be nice to them because they have a lot going on all day long, okay? They're kind of, they're kind of tired at night. And then you have the apostolic people, and the apostolic people are focused on the events of heaven, the movement of heaven. Like, what is going on in heaven? How in the world do we get heaven to come down here? We need all that beautiful order and power to come down here. How do we do that? How do, how do we worship and intercede and connect and believe and, and, and expect? How do we bring heaven to earth? And so the apostolic people, not necessarily apostles, but just the apostolic, the worshipers, the intercessors, the workers of miracles, the gifts of healing. How do we pull heaven to earth? Pastors, pastors kind of walk with people in a 12-step program, right? You know, they're like, okay, all right, okay, let's get that. Okay, two, good, 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 good. Let's go to three. All right, that's excellent, great. Let's go to four or back to one. Okay, let's go back to one, one. Okay, let's do this again. One, two, come on. Let's see if we can't get to, to, to one. Okay, we'll go to one, two. Apostolic people have a one-step program. Shabba! Boom! Take it! More! Hurrah! Stay there! Soak! Marinate! Alright, okay, you're up. Okay, alright. Is your marriage better? No? Okay, you stay there. You just stay there. You stay, at least stay there till I leave, okay? That'd be better. Right. Have a one-step program. For whatever reason, we've decided that it is fine with us if we just have three of those. And we're going to do church all over the world with just three of them. And this is where the baton falls on the dirt. Because we've decided to pass the fire to the pulpit. And we're going to do church without fire. We're going to do church with money. Is it still working? We're going to try to get butts in seats and do church with money. Because fire scares people. We're going to teach people that the reason we have church is so the Christians will come. But the apostolic and the prophetic say, oh, no, 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 we have, we, have, we have church so that God will come. And then when God comes, it doesn't go according to plan. And the people, hey, 
hey, there's better hotels, churches around here that do what we say, give us what we want. In the apostolic and prophetic environments that are protecting the fire say, we will miss you, but we will love your parking spot. Because when God comes to church, there are no parking spots. There are lines. You've got to build a bigger building. Or a bunch of them. First Corinthians chapter 12 beginning of verse 27-ish, says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, first the fire, then the pulpit. First the fire, then the pulpit. And we focus on the fire. We focus on the presence. We focus on the power. We focus on the worship. We focus on the glory First. It's not just the part we put in the beginning of the meeting so you could be late. Is it still working? It's first. It's, it's why we gathered. And then to release the, the, the presence of God, the power of God, the encounters of God for the people's lives to be transformed. And then the Pope. This is God's order. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. wasn't Paul's idea. And God has appointed in the church. It's critical that we understand the role of apostles. Apostles are not simply old guys. Heidi Baker's not an old guy. She's, she's getting older. But she was an apostle a long time ago. You know a young pastor? You know a 30-year-old pastor? I'm sure you do. You know a 30-year-old Bible teacher? Of course you do. You know a 30-year-old evangelist? Absolutely. You know a 30-year-old prophet? They're kind of scary, but yes, I know. You know a 30-year-old apostle? Nope. And they're first. Hmm. How'd that happen? Because we think apostle is boss. We think first means boss. So you can't have a 30-year-old boss with all us 50-year-olds. Who's going to let that happen? 
which is probably one of the most strategic, effective strategies the devil has ever designed is to keep the church away from first. And to be happy with the pulpit. Oh, come on. You guys be a... You guys go be a big old natural organization. You go do it. We'll be right. You'll be right. You good, good. Get your, your little Greek and Hebrew right. Way to go. The devil's more than happy with that. devil scared to death the fire of heaven, the glory of God, apostles and prophets, as he should be. And we should never, ever underestimate first, second, and third. Because we, we have pioneers it gave up everything to get that fire and to, and to hold on to that fire and to create a movement and get that bad boy moving. Get it moving. Get it moving. Get it moving. Get it moving. Hand the baton to the next generation. And when they drop it, because we're happy with this, then the movement stops. The movement stops, and 100% of the time, the movement stops. And the next generation creates a museum. 100% of the time. We have an amazing opportunity. We have an amazing opportunity. This generation has an amazing opportunity. We actually see what's happening. We're like, wait a minute. Wait one minute here. I see what you're doing. I see what's happening. But don't for a second think that there is not a powerful opponent. Because there is. The, the prince of the power of the air is still ruling. Absolutely controls the information that the masses feast on. The orchestration of the brainwashing that goes on throughout our education system, through our arts and media, throughout our theater, throughout our political networks, throughout our corporations, everybody's being orchestrated by an opposing culture to Christianity. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want except Jesus. How in the world could that be? How in the world could this group and that group be buddies? Don't you know that group's going to kill that group? We're buddies, though. 
We support each other. And this is amazing. But don't bring that Jesus stuff around. You, you better put that Jesus and that fire somewhere else. And we will create so much pressure on you. We will create so much threat of rejection on you. That you as a young leader, when you come to, to, to stand in front of the congregation... You have been groomed by an opposing culture. You were not born in war like King David. You were born in peace like King Solomon. You remember what King Solomon did to keep the peace? He married a bunch of foreign wives and brought idolatry into Israel. Is this still working? Because you're just looking at me like. (laughs) There is tremendous pressure on this next generation to conform. And it is actually wired into humanity to do so. How many of you remember um, Canada Camera? Canada camera, they used to set up these little cameras everywhere, and, you know, they do it in different ways now, but this was, these were cutting edge, this is cutting edge black and white. You ready back there, sound man? Okay, well, we'll find out in just a second. The gentleman in the elevator now is a candid star. These folks who are entering, the man with a white shirt, the lady with a trench coat, and subsequently one other member of our staff will face the rear. And you'll see how this man in the trench coat (laughs) tries to maintain his individuality, but little by little, he looks at his watch, but he's really making an excuse for turning just a little bit more to the wall. Now we'll try it once again. Here's the candid subject. Here comes the candid camera staff, three of them at least. And uh, this man has apparently been in groups before. with his hat on in the elevator. First he makes a full turn to the rear and Charlie closes the door. A moment later, we'll open the door. Everybody's changed positions. (laughs) Now we'll see if we can use... See if we can use group pressure for some good. Now, in a moment, on Charlie's signal, everybody turns forward. Notice they take off their hats. And now, do you think we could reverse the procedure? Watch. There's a lot of pressure out there. 
it's, it's natural to conform. It's supernatural to sort for your priorities and to resist. Traveling around your country, you know, you have things that we don't have. These large stone buildings uh, that it took generations to build some of these things. You know, these things take 30, 40, 60, 100, 200, some of them 500 years to build. Goodness sakes, what is the foresight? What is the, what is the generational momentum that it takes to start that kind of thinking and then hand it off and to have that engaged and then have it handed off again until completion? And however many wars they had to fight in the meantime. How many people came over and pushed it over? And they keep coming back. This is, this is leading with eternity in mind. This is living with eternity in mind. And that's exactly who we are. We're not, we're not just living our ministry here and then we'll let them leave, live theirs. And then we'll let them live theirs. We're actually a part of eternal momentum. In our country, there is a, a famous letter that was written by one of our founding fathers, John Adams, and he wrote a, a letter to his wife. In essence, he said, I must study war and politics so that my children, my sons and my daughters, they can study navigation, arithmetic, biology, so that their sons and daughters will be set up to then focus on ceramics and tapestry and poetry. See, the momentum of priority, of establishing a foundation that builds upon a foundation, that builds upon a foundation, is actually supposed to lead to more beauty, more freedom. That's what we're doing. But there's, a tr- there's trouble with that. And the trouble with that is, if this generation forgets this generation, this generation is destroyed. There's a saying, or there's a, I don't know how, how I quote this, but it's, it's that pioneers, it's that people that have had resistance in their life, have faced hard times, they become strong. And those strong people, they create good times. They turn it around. They learn their lessons. They've, they pioneered out of, and then they birthed into good times. And the people who are born in the good times, they become weak because they don't know resistance because the prior generation set them up with so much strength. And those weak people go on to lose what they had and everybody has to start over again. See, we are a unit, and we are moving together. And we learn to protect the fire, or we will find ourselves preaching about the ashes. 
we'll talk about yesterday. With lots of heat, we'll talk about yesterday. We'll point to who we were and not really know who we are. But this is going to take teamwork. This is going to take generational covenant to protect this passing. Because when I look at the next generation, I say, hey, I want to help you do what I did. I want to, I want to help you build a 650 horsepower Corvette. That's what I want to, I want to help you get that horsepower up there, baby. How could I get that thing up? How could we get our, our zero to 60 time down? It's right now about 3.2, zero to 60. You know, we can get that thing down. Let's go from a C7 to a C8 mid-engine. We'll get that thing down to a 2.8, 150 less horsepower. Work on new ways to get new horsepower to that thing. We're going to have this thing down to one second before we know it. But you take a poll of 14-year-olds in this generation, and they say, I want my first car to be an electric car. And I say, what? A what? A golf cart? You want to drive a golf cart on the road? Why do you want a car that doesn't make noise? I mean, that's the fun of it. And they say, well, we do have a few ideas. Oh, look here. This one beats the pants off of yours. Well, we're working on ours. But here's the dilemma. I don't know how to help you build a Tesla. I don't, I don't know. It has four motors. One on each wheel. That's cheating. <laughs> what is happening here? I don't know how to do what you see. But I do know this. I'm glad we have central air. We don't have this room full of smoke. That's an improvement. I did notice this building doesn't have any chimneys. I don't know how to actually lead you in what you're going to do. Because you're not going to do what I did. You, you, you're not going to do it the way I did it. But you, you still have to protect the fire. It may look different than it did for me, but power is power, baby. Show me the power. Show me heaven coming to earth. It could be quieter, I guess. It's possible. It could be cleaner. Show me the power. Show me the power. Show me the apostolic and the prophetic. We're passing, we're passing the baton, the baton, from apostolic and prophetic to the apostolic and prophetic. That's what we're doing. That's what we insist on. 
That's what we know works. Passing the, passing the fire to the pulpit should scare us. We should all go, no, no, no. We need fire. We need fire and eyes and then the pulpit. Fire, voice, pulpit. Englishmen came to Weaverville and uh, that way back in the 1900s. And he says, no longer are mothers and fathers raising up children. But mothers and fathers are raising up mothers and fathers. And so the baton passes from a generation of responsible owners to a generation of responsible owners. And that's why we're surrounding ourselves with powerful mothers and fathers, not simply sons and daughters. If I raise up sons and daughters, then everywhere they go, they're my children. You're always my children. I'm always the powerful one. You're always looking for someplace else to be powerful. I need you to be powerful here. If you are 35 years old or younger, please stand. Okay? There you have it. That's a random number, by the way. I just picked 35. I've chosen other numbers before, but 35 it is. Okay, if you're standing next to one of these uh, who are standing, if you're sitting next to one of these who are standing, put your hand on them, put your hand towards them. We're going to pray for them. Just repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I recognize this partner. I recognize their contribution. I celebrate their partnership with us. I welcome you. I honor you. And I ask you to help us protect the fire, bring heaven to earth. We trust you. We honor you. We've built an inheritance on three. One, two, three. We've built an inheritance that we offer to you. We are building a legacy for the glory of God. You're a key part of this. And we trust you with this inheritance. Thank you for your faithfulness. And help us to carry this into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Very good. All righty. If you are 36 years old or older, stand up. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need a ministry team. If you are seated and you can touch one of these people, you may have to use one of your feet. Or just do the holy spray.
Just put your hands out towards them. But you're going to pray for these guys. All right? Thank you, Jesus. Well, louder than that. There's not very many of you, so you may have to yell. Thank you, Jesus. For the faithful who've gone before us and made a way. We see you, your blood, sweat, and tears. That you've devoted to the kingdom that we might benefit. We thank you. We honor you. We see your life's work. And we will protect it. And we receive your inheritance. We honor you. Please help us to steward this well. That we will build a legacy that will last past us. We are your partners in kingdom eternity for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good stuff.